Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. We have a really interesting program tonight, and, and we start off with one of my my more interesting guests, Catherine Merritt. She's creator of Mumsy. Mumsy, I love that. Uh, I would, if I ever call my mother Mumsy, she'd pat, bat me in the head. But uh, it's a great title. It's M-U-M-Z-Y. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, but as we always do with all of our guests, uh, Catherine, welcome to the program, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Don. It's really uh, a treat to be on the show with you. So, as you mentioned, I am the founder and CEO of Mumsy, and Mumsy is a crowdfunding platform built specifically for moms. So, if you think of, you know, other platforms out there, Kickstarter, um, Indiegogo, Mumsy is really built for moms that have really innovative ideas, and um, also moms that want to support other moms. And as a mom myself, I have two little boys, um, I found that when I became a mom, I had all of these ideas and innovations, and it was really hard to bring these kind of ideas and products to life. And my vision for Mumsy is to provide moms with the resources as well as the, the, you know, the platform and the technology to raise capital and to raise funds um, so that they can really move forward with their, their brilliant ideas. Um, in addition to, doing, to running Mumsy, um, I also work full-time as a vice president at a marketing agency, um, and as I mentioned, I have two little boys, Teddy is five, and Archie is going to be three in September, and, um, you know, with, with that, I definitely have a full plate, but I'm loving every second of everything that I'm able to do. Well, you know, uh, uh, God couldn't look after all of us. That's why he made moms. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I always say uh, if you... If you want the job done, get a mom on it. You know, we don't have time to dilly-dally. We just get it done. <laughs> well, you know, one time I recruited um, a brand-new sales force of recently divorced women with children. And within, mm-hmm. a year, and within a year and a half, I was a hero in the company because they had made me <laughs> a hero. 
And, That's and, great, yeah. But uh, yeah. you gave a great commercial, but tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Uh, yeah, uh, so essentially, um, you know, I, you know, I've I've been working in in marketing for about twelve to fifteen years, and um, you know, and as I said, I, uh, you know, have worked on behalf of brands that um, market to moms, and I always joke that it was a good thing that I finally became a mom. And you know, when I did become a mom, and when I did have Teddy, my my oldest son, I found that I was just having a lot of ideas and. Um, you know, and so that really is kind of what prompted Mumsy. And I am luckily, you know, I work for an agency, a marketing agency that was really supportive of Mumsy. And, you know, you think of a lot of other people who might be in that kind of a situation and have to kind of work under the cloak of darkness at night and not, you know, breathe a word of sort of a passion project to their employer. But luckily, um, I work for a company that sees the value in, you know, supporting their employees and supporting their passion projects. And, um, Olson and Gage, where I work full time, really gave me support and resources in bringing Mumsy to life. Um, so really grateful for that and for their support um, as I move forward with this. You know, what started as a passion project, and now I could easily kind of categorize as a second full time job that keeps me sleeping less than I was when I had a newborn baby at home. But um, you know, it's it's the most exciting thing that I've been able to work on lately. So it's really motivating me. Um, but besides that, you know, it, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for, for much else, but, you know, I, I've got these two boys and they're certainly, um, you know, they keep me busy and, uh, you know, we, we just got back actually on, you know, we were on vacation, um, the past few days with them, which was really wonderful. But, um, and then prior to being in marketing, you know, I was, uh, I, I went to a small school out East, um, for college and, um, I always joke that, you know, I was a creative writing major with an emphasis on poetry and I studied uh, early 20th century Irish poetry. So, you know, certainly a uh, case study for, you know, not, not necessarily needing to have a major that marries up to your career. Um, and, you know, and then kind of got into where I am now. So it's been a, a, a fun ride so far. And, you know, really with Mumsy, we, we launched the website uh, May 6th and have since then just seen a lot of great excitement and traction coming through on the website. Well, um, give us an example of someone who went on your site, some mom, and what they were looking for and uh, whether and their success or failure. Yeah, well, right now we have a new project up um, from, uh, it's called Spare, uh, in, based in New York City, and their mission is to help close the hunger gap in New York. And they're a mobile-based app that you download on your phone and that users would um, be able to, if they're going out to eat dinner and if their bill is, say, $47.13, they could just sort of round up and that remaining um, money that gets rounded up goes towards programs and organizations to help, uh, you know, minimize hunger within New York City. And um, Andra, who is the founder of that, you know, we she came across, uh, Mumsy through one of our board members, Peter Shankman. And, you know, when she reached out to me, again, unlike, you know, Kickstarter or other crowdfunding sites where you're really kind of left to kind of fend on your own, you know, when Andre reached out to me, we've had numerous phone calls and have really kind of provided her with resources. So, 
you know, again, knowing that moms have unique sort of barriers and um, challenges just in, in lack of time and not as much maybe, um, you know, resources to kind of do as much of the research that maybe somebody else would be able to achieve. Um, it's really our purpose to make sure that we provide the community with, um, you know, tips and tricks and putting my, you know, marketing expertise to work for our community. So that's an example of a, of a project that we have live right now. Um, but we've also, you know, raised funds for um, nonprofits, um, for different, you know, moms supporting other moms. You know, there's a real kind of vast uh, array of, of how moms can use our site to raise capital uh, for different causes and ideas. Well, how do you differ? Well, obviously you differ that way, but uh, are your projects different from other crowdfunding uh, uh, websites? So, yeah, and and here's it, it. Certainly, our vertical and our audience is what makes us different. Um, so that's one piece. You know, a, a couple of years ago, Don, I was reading an article in Wired magazine. It was actually the February 2000. Uh, issue because I remember it quite well and that was what really kind of put everything in motion with Mumsy and in that article they made this point that said nobody goes to kickstarter.com right if anyone's going to kickstarter they're going to their friend's project or a friend of a friend's project and that is really where the community exists and I had that sort of like aha moment where I realized that moms are such a strong inherent community and especially when you look at how moms interact online and the fact that, you know, you look at sort of the whole scope of mom blogs and the way that moms support each other through various list listservs and forums and Facebook groups. And so to me, it was sort of this moment of like, you know, if we can create a community that also happens to be a place where moms can raise funds for each other. So that's certainly part of it is that we really envision ourselves as being a strong community-based platform. But another point of differentiation, as I mentioned, is providing real kind of white glove service to our community. Um, you know, we don't take any more of a percentage than Kickstarter or any of the other platforms. Yet, we're going to work with our community members from the moment that they reach out to us saying, I have an idea. I was on the phone with a woman the other day who hasn't even put a business plan together. She's just kind of kicking it around, you know, and, and kind of, you know, testing out her idea to see if there's really something there. And, you know, I gave her numerous resources in both kind of coming up with a roadmap to, you know, figure out how much money she would need to, to make and how to, you know, connect with different community members through Mumsy. So we're providing moms the resources and kind of, you know, baking out their ideas, but then also making sure that when they're ready to pull the trigger and launch a campaign through Mumsy, you know, making sure that they're as equipped and set up for success as possible. And then lastly, if a mom you know, comes to Mumsy, she has an idea for a new, you know, sippy cup, we'll say, and she needs to raise $10,000. And, you know, hypothetically, she raises that $10,000. Um, you know, once she's raised that money, what next? And we work with her to make sure that she knows, you know, where can she, you know, get a prototype created? Who, you know, what are good plastic manufacturers? So, you know, really making sure that we're not just, you know, one piece of the equation, but going back to my, you know, what I said originally is that we really want to be sort of, you know, a soup to nuts, end-all, be-all resource for moms in bringing their ideas to life. Well, that's an interesting point. Uh, I've heard stories that in other crowdfunding uh, uh, situations, 
people haven't gotten what they funded for. How do you ensure yep. that? How do you ensure yeah. that? Go ahead. I'll. Oh no! I won't yeah, even no, you're right. The, you're, no, it's. I it's, want to it's really, finish the question. Go ahead. No, well, you're. I think what you're asking is just how do how do people that back projects ensure that you know that they're going to get the reward that they you know that they signed up to receive and how are crowdfunding platforms going to make sure and hold their project po- posters accountable and you know and right now the FTC is suing um you know a a a company that in 2012 had a project posted on Kickstarter and I think they raised near you know $160,000 and they ended up using that money for something completely different and so you know all these people who had put money towards supporting a, a project never saw the reward that they had been promised. And, you know, right now Kickstarter and other platforms really have a hands-off approach where they say it's really up to the community to kind of self-regulate and self-govern it. Well, that's not going to fly for very long. Let's just, you know, the, the, the crowdfunding industry is shifting at a very dramatic pace. It's growing incredibly fast. This year it's expected that, you know, between 17 to $20 billion will be transacted through crowdfunding platforms alone. And John, that number could reach $95 billion by 2020. So, you know, we're talking about a lot of money, a lot of participation, and government is going to get more involved in holding platforms accountable. For Mumsy, again, it really goes back to the fact that we really work with our community. We make sure that we know who the projects, you know, who the, who the people are that are posting the projects and that we also, you know, work in supporting them, but also work in, you know, making sure that the best interests of the people that support those projects are, you know, kept top of mind. So we have not run into that situation yet, but if that should ever arise, we have a whole strategy in place in terms of how we would deal with it and resolve it. Um, knock on wood, we don't have to put that into action, but it's something we're very aware of and cognizant of. Well, let me ask you a different question. Why isn't there a father's network? <laughs> well, simply because I'm not a dad. <laughs> However, even though no. Mumsy by – oh, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Oh, You're the so, guest. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was interrupting you. So, um, you know, so I, this this really comes from a very kind of passion point in my life where I found that I was experiencing this. And, you know, God, God loves fathers. I love my husband. He's a wonderful father. But I certainly interact with more women and moms in my kind of day-to-day life. And just so happened that, like, as I was sharing my experience with other moms, I found that, you know, moms were really kind of coming up with all these ideas and, you know, are up in the middle of the night and, that we're in a state of complete sleep deprivation, we're still very kind of attuned to, you know, what, you know, wouldn't it be great if this existed or wouldn't it be great if, you know, one of these were out there to make things a little bit easier. Um, so that's really where it comes from. However, if you read, you know, the kind of about us and sort of our, you know, value proposition of who we are at Mumsy, we also very much abide by the, you know, the more the merrier school of thought. So, you know, we are, we are an open platform for, you know, if, if an aunt feels as though she's in a very kind of maternal role or if a nanny feels, you know, as though she can kind of tap into that maternal role or if a dad wants to, you know, kind of delve into it, certainly, you know, we, we, we aren't going to be exclusive, you know, um, it's, it's sort of how we built ourselves and sort of the constituency that we had in mind, but by no means are we uh, going to 
turn anyone away just because they're not a mom. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I could never be a mom. But uh, <laughs> uh, having said that, uh, what, are, what are the two or three things you tell a new mom entrepreneur when they come to you as that woman did with an idea? What are some of the things you say to them? Or questions so I, you ask them? Yeah, I, you know, I... In, in having gone through this journey myself, I think, you know, that really puts me in a position to kind of understand and kind of, you know, tap into my own experiences, you know, and I always say that, um, you know, I know so much more today than I did a week ago, and I'll know so much more a week from now than I did today. So, you know, really kind of extracting from that. So, you know, when a mom contacts us, I want to, you know, understand, you know, if, if a mom has a more fleshed out idea, then I'm going to, you know, talk with her and work with her to make sure that she really brings that passion of her campaign, you know, of her idea, I'm sorry, rather, to life through her campaign. Um, but in the example I gave earlier, if a mom still is just kind of tinkering around with an idea, you know, I'll provide her with resources. There's a great resource, which I'm sure you're aware of, called Lean Canvas, which is, I think, one of the best ways to kind of roadmap a business model because it's, I feel, a lot less daunting than some of the more comprehensive business models. And it's a really good place to start in terms of plotting through and kind of bringing your idea, you know, putting a little bit more flesh around it. Um, so, you know, just really understanding at what point kind of in that journey, where is, where is the mom and, you know, what are the resources that we can equip her with? Um, if a mom has a really, you know, thorough, fleshed out idea, then maybe she's, you know, just trying to focus on how can she best optimize her, her, um, her campaign, you know, and, and if, you know, her, if her goals are totally unrealistic, if she's looking to raise $3 million in 30 days, I'm going to say, you know, look at, let's pull it back a little bit, you know, let's kind of realign and, and figure out what's realistic. Um, and there's another really wonderful resource called crowdfunding CACs by a gentleman named Clay Hebert and have had the opportunity to, to meet and talk often with Clay and he's a really smart person and he's, you know, helped, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars come to fruition through supporting, you know, various crowdfunding campaigns. And he's got a really wonderful website with great, you know, tools and resources. So that's certainly something that I also direct, um, well, you know, community web, members what, through. What's his website? It's called Crowdfunding Hacks. Can you spell it out com. for our audience? Yeah, it's C-R-O-W-D-F-U-N-D-I-N-G. H A C K S dot com, and his name is Clay Hebert, and a very smart guy. So I always, when people are, you know, ready to to get their campaign going, I always direct them to his website because he just has so many great tips and tricks and resources for people to make sure that they really hit their funding goals. Mm. Uh, give us one or two other. Uh, quick examples of some of the things you talk to these moms about. Absolutely. So I, I also often ask them, you know, what are their goals? What are they ultimately, what are they looking to achieve? You know, because, you know, sometimes a mom might want to bring something, you know, and, and bring it to, to market and bring it to fruition to a degree that, you know, maybe she wants to sell it in Target and really have mass production. 
Or, you know, a mom might have something a little bit smaller or simpler and, you know, be maybe looking to launch, you know, more of like an Etsy website, you know, something a little bit more smaller scale. So I think that oftentimes when you have an idea and you, and you know, you think it's really great, it's really important to have somebody who will ask sort of outsider perspective questions because, you know, oftentimes you're kind of in that tunnel vision mode and you're not sort of looking at from from all different vantage points and from that kind of 360, you know, perspective. So I certainly try to ask about goals. And then I also, um, you know, in, in asking about goals, that usually helps me in then understanding what are other sort of um, things, you know, that might be available and resources. But I do think it's really important for anyone who's looking to launch a business or a startup or a product to really, you know, um, think about what are the goals both, you know, six months down the road, you know, 12 months down the road, and then kind of beyond that so that they kind of can get a sense of what's realistic. When I first started building out Mumsy, um, you know, the goals that I had immediately were, you know, now kind of, you know, unrealistic. And I think that it's important to also be malleable and to be able to kind of adjust and to pivot and to, you know, realize that once you get further down the path, it's okay to sort of hit pause and kind of realign what the expectations are and kind of what your, um, you know, your various success metrics may look like. Uh, Catherine uh, Merritt, we're talking to Catherine Merritt, who's the founder and the chief bottle washer for Mumsy.com. <laughs> Catherine, uh, spell out your website and how people can reach you. Absolutely. The website is www.mumzy.com. And I am happily available to um, respond to any emails. So you can email me at Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at Mumsy.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Kath, C-A-T-H, Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T. I would say that those are probably the two best ways to to reach me. Uh, Thank you so much for a very informative uh, uh, talk and I hope sometime in the near future you'll come back and talk with us more I would absolutely love to and thank you so much John, for having me and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you as well thank you thank you we we have an, uh, our next guest on the line I'm going to let him introduce himself and uh, welcome to the program Thank you so much, Don. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, uh, I'm at a little bit of a loss because my, my notes don't have your name on it. So please. <laughs> okay. I, I try and fly under the radar as much as I can. Uh, this is Jeff Wolf, and I'm the author of uh, the new book, Seven Disciplines of a Leader, uh, which came out uh, at the beginning of the year and has been very successful. Uh, My producer I, is waving your book uh, from the uh, studio glass right now, <laughs> and, and now I remember it. Okay. Okay. And to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, I've had really a, a checkered background and career, and uh, it's all kind of meshed into where I am today. And I started really as a high school basketball coach and was very successful there, and then moved from that to the business world and became an executive. And I took the principles of what I learned from those experiences uh, as a coach, 
uh, around leadership, and I really understood that it was focusing on the people side of business and really helping people perform better than their own level of expectation and bringing out the best in them. And 14 years ago, after being a CEO at the pinnacle of my corporate career, I, I left the corporate world and moved on to a new career. And uh, I looked at it from the standpoint of, as a CEO, I was engaging a lot of consulting, coaching, and training firms. And I imagine creating what I called a single firm capable of really giving solutions to businesses today. And I put together a group of experienced senior practitioners, and uh, the rest is history. The, over the last decade, uh, we've really experienced dramatic growth, and we've been fortunate, I've been fortunate, to work with a lot of very large corporations like Sony and Samsung and Qualcomm and Abbott and Pfizer and Baxter and a lot of different ones, and also some smaller organizations. Um, and I've coached hundreds of leaders through probably thousands of coaching sessions around leadership, how to grow a business, uh, and things of that nature. So it's been a nice run for the last 14 years, and I've really enjoyed it. Well, that qualifies you to be somewhat of an expert, so we'll ask the first question. <laughs> okay. What, uh, what, what, is, what are some of the principles of leadership that you espouse? Well, I, I think... It starts with what I call the fundamentals of leadership, and I kind of listed five of those, and I think bringing people together to work as a team, and after you do that, motivating them to perform, taking responsibility for bottom line results, because we all are responsible for that bottom line, and then as a leader, we have to make difficult decisions, so it's being able to make those decisions uh, which is best for your organization or your corporation. And lastly, because engagement in the workforce today is, is really at an all-time low, it's creating that positive energy to get people engaged, to get them motivated, to make them want to come to work, to make them want to go that extra mile to do a great job. So that's probably the fundamentals that, that go into the, into the leadership. And then, of course, then there's the different principles or the disciplines that I came up with that I found over the last 14 years to be very, very successful in what I've seen in great leaders that I've coached, things that I've learned that make a good leader. And then I also have 11 practices in there that uh, people can follow and put this all together and really have a good guidebook of how to become an effective leader. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, we've had several uh, people over the last couple of months, uh, like yourself, uh, very articulate with all with these uh, with these concepts, etc. But uh, a question I've been dying to ask, and I, I got a very nasty email the other day from someone who said, "You have all these leadership people on; they all talk about it. Why aren't people doing it?" Why do people not, these seem to be fundamental rules that go across uh, you, your book, other books, other people, yet time after time uh, we run into people not accepting that. Why don't they accept what are so, so, so obvious uh, leadership qualities necessary? You know, that's an interesting question, and I think that part of it in today's world, we're moving so fast that number one, there's not enough time to really stop and think about what you really need to be an effective leader. And I think behind that, 
there's a there's a fundamental problem that we have is that a lot of corporations, a lot of organizations will take your highly successful people in their particular area. They're good at maybe the great technical skills. Maybe they're a great salesperson, uh, for example. And they say, okay, you're a great salesperson. We're now going to make you a leader. And all of a sudden, that person is sitting in their office and they don't understand what it is that makes an effective leader. They were a great salesperson, but they don't have that skill set. And I think we're really missing that, that organizations are not teaching leadership to those that need it. And I think the other thing is, is that we don't get feedback. Uh, whatever leadership position you're in, I'm a firm believer that you need to get feedback. And we do a lot of that in our coaching sessions. We call it 360-degree feedback, where we go out and we talk to the peers and the direct reports and the bosses. And we get this feedback of how they perceive that leader to be and then present that information to the leader and sit down with them and begin the coaching process. And what happens so often, as you and I probably both know, the further up you go in the chain of command, the less feedback you get. So you keep doing the things that you've done over and over again, not realizing that those things aren't the right thing because nobody's told you that. That's very true. But it also seems to me that a lot of people don't want to learn. Do you find that to be the case? Yes, I do. Uh, we don't have time to learn, as I alluded to before. Uh, the problem is we're moving at such a fast pace that we don't have time to sit down and take stock about what are the things we do well and what are the things we need to work on. So we're not taking that time to really learn. We're just going about our business, going through our day as quickly as we can, trying to be reactive instead of proactive. And one of the things that I find about really highly effective leaders, they're proactive. They take the time to what I call ABL, always be learning, and always trying to get better at what they do and have a thirst for knowledge. But yet, that's, they're far and few between. Uh, that is very definitely the case. But let's now let's go back to your. Uh, I've kind of knocked you off your uh, presentation, but let's go <laughs> Not back. Not at to, all. I don't have a presentation. <laughs> well, the, the great thing about this program, I get to ask a lot of smart people uh, questions that uh, that other people ask, and I think about myself. Uh, uh, sometimes I don't do enough proactive uh, uh, thinking myself, and oftentimes it's when I'm hearing people like you. But here, uh, let's let's dig a little deeper. Take one of your topics and go a little deeper into it. Well, I think one of the, one of the topics that I, I think is very important is, as a leader, you have to have a vision. Uh, in order for people to follow you, they have to know where you're going. They have to be inspired to go. They have to want to join you. So, part of a leader's job is in inspiring people, telling them where we're going to go how we're going to get there, what their role is in achieving that vision of the organization, how they're going to do it, and then really work with them to get there, and what's in it for them. Everybody wants to know what's in it for me, uh, so you have to let them know what's in it for them as well. So I think vision is an important thing for a leader uh, to be able to inspire people to help get them to where they want to go. And I think another thing is honesty. Um, people want to feel pe want to follow people who are honest and sincere, and I think if we look in the business world today, we've seen a lot of people over the last couple of years that haven't been very honest, and 
they've ruined a lot of organizations and a lot of people's lives. So I think honesty and integrity is something that uh, is important, and I alluded to that in my book as well. Well, uh, let's just, if we may, if I may, uh, let's jump to the political uh, world for one minute, because you bring up an interesting point. Uh, Hillary Clinton is distrusted by by a majority of, of the people polled, yet she is uh, on track to be a presidential candidate. How do you reconcile the, the two, in, in your view? And if you don't want to answer the question, I fully understand. Well, I'm not political in nature, but um, I would not follow anybody that I wouldn't think is honest. But everybody does things for their own particular reason, and I think politics is a, is a strange animal. It's a little bit different. Uh, you can distrust somebody, but still want to vote for them because you might feel that they're the, the, the best candidate in your mind. It, it becomes a little bit more emotional than it does uh, in the business world when you're leading. And I've never been able to figure it, figure that out. But uh, if I didn't trust someone and I didn't think they were honest and, and were full of integrity and uh, really cared about you know, everything, I, I don't think I would vote for them. Well, uh, that's a great answer. But, uh, then let's go into the, back into the business world. Uh, and, and let me ask you, if a person, we seem to have, uh, in this day and age, maybe it's the reporting or whatever, we seem to have more and more business leaders uh, falling falling from grace uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, how does one regain the trust of the employees when that happens? Well, I think that's something that's very difficult because once you cross that line and lose that trust, it's nearly impossible to get it back. And if you do get it back, you have to work extremely hard to do it. Um, there's so many instances where that has come about and people have lost their jobs because they haven't been honest. But trust is the most important thing. And... Um, one of the ways that I tell people if they fall into that category where there is a white lie or there is something that they weren't honest at a particular time, I tell them, look, if you've done something wrong, tell everybody about it. Don't hide it. Come out and talk about it. Tell them you made a mistake. Tell them you made an error. And then hopefully, you know, you can move on and reconcile that with the people that you lead. But it's very, very difficult once you lose that trust. It's almost impossible to get it back, but I think honesty is the best way to do it, not trying to hide it. Well, you know, during the recent recession, a lot of small businesses had to cut back, reduce salaries, do a lot of different things to survive. Uh, is it possible for a small, for any business to regain the trust of employees uh, when something like that happens? Yeah, I think it is. In, in that particular instance, sure. And I think that goes back to open communication. One of the things that I really, when I'm working with executives or leaders, saying you have to have open communication. You have to let people know what's happening in the organization with their team, with their department, with the company as a whole, and let them know so they're not blindsided. And if you're honest with people and tell them, look, you know, the recession has really cut into our profits. We're going to have to cut back. I don't like this any more than you do. 
but for the sake of the company moving forward, you know, I'm going to have to let some people go. But it's that honesty and open communication of letting them know why, letting them know when it's going to happen, and just being open and honest with them. And that's one of the things that I really espouse, both from the coaching perspective as well as in the book, is that open communication and open dialogue and making sure people are in tune and aware of everything that's going on. What is the name of your book? name of the book is Seven Disciplines of a Leader. And where can people get it? They can get it on Amazon, Books a Million, or any place that books are sold, and Barnes & Noble. Um, or they can go to the website, Seven Disciplines of a Leader. That's seven spilled out, spelled out. Or they can go to the wolfmotivation.com, which is our company website, and order it online there. But Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Spell out your website. Uh, wolfmotivation.com. Wolf like the animal, W-O-L-F, motivation, M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N.com. Or the book's website is 7, S-E-V-E-N, disciplines, D-I-S-C-I, P-L-I-D, P-L-I-N-E-S, of a leader.com. Uh, when you first come into an organization, what what do you uh someone come, brings you into the organization and they say we need your help what are, what are some of the things you look for in an organ uh, around that individual or that organization to, to help you establish what, what what needs to be done i think the first thing you look at is the culture what kind of culture does the organization have? Is it a culture of openness or is it a culture of inclusiveness? Uh, the leaders. Are the leaders uh, good, effective leader? Are there, is there engagement at, the, at all levels of the organization? So what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll look at the people at the bottom of the organization all the way up to the top of the organization and really do a random sampling or analysis of how these people are feeling, what they're doing, how they care about their jobs, if they're in the right jobs, uh, if they're engaged or not. And if they're not engaged, then we look at leadership because organizations are people and you're only as effective as your people are. Uh, I think Walt Disney made the comment uh, 40, 50 years ago uh, about people, and he said, you can dream and build the greatest place in the world, but it takes people to make that dream come true, and it's true. Uh, you have to have great people. So we look at the people, then we look at the leaders, and we look to see if everybody's in the right position and then move forward around the culture to see if it's an engaging culture. How do you define an engaging culture? You use that term, and I, I love it, but can you ex expand a little bit on it? Well, I think in, when I talk about engaging in culture, it's what is the fabric, the makeup of the organization? Uh, and then engaging means do people care? Do they go out of the way to do that extra thing uh, at their work? Do they come in every day excited and inspired to do a great job regardless of what the job is? Uh, for example, I remember vividly uh, walking through an organization of about 2,000 people, and I was coaching uh, a mid-level manager, and we were walking to the conference room where we were going to have the coaching session. And as we were walking down the hall, there was a piece of paper on the floor, and people were walking by it, a lot of people. And he stopped for a minute, picked it up, put it over in the trash, and we kept walking. 
And we got to the conference room, and I said, you know, that is very impressive. You just did something that a lot of people didn't do. You know, you didn't have to pick up that piece of paper, but you cared about your company enough to do something like that. So it's something small, it's something little, but it really stood out to me as a person that was engaged that really cared about his organization. And I think that's what engagement is. It's caring about your organization to go that extra mile, whatever it is, to get things done. Well, that's a great example. But uh, evidently the, the organization must have thought uh, highly of him to get you to coach him or her. Mm-hmm. Yes, most of the uh, people that I coach are high performers or um, going to be you know, moving into leadership roles, high potentials as we call them, and we go in and work with them to help take their game to a much higher level. And it's very rewarding to see you know, supervisors, managers, executives, after the coaching process is done in nine months to a year, to see how much they've grown and really affected the organization in a positive way and become a, a much better leader. Uh, this has been a very illuminating talk, and I hope you'll come back again and we can continue this conversation. Well, I hope so. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Don. Again, uh, your book and your website? Seven Disciplines of a Leader. And uh, you can be bought at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online, wherever books are sold. And our website is wolfmotivation.com. And we've been talking with Jeff Wolf, who, who's uh, really, I think, uh, provided some great insights. And we appreciate that he came and joined us. Thanks a lot. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Okay. Bye. Our, our next guest is Blake Nation. I'm really looking forward to this one because uh, he's created, a, and since I'm well over 50, an over50jobboard.com. Blake, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it, and I uh, really appreciate you having us on tonight to be able to talk about this. Well, uh, being of the older generation, uh, I think you're doing a great service. But, but we always ask our guests first to tell a little bit about themselves personally. Sure, I'd be glad to. As part of the part of the over fifty jobboard dot com uh, backstory is is my experience. Uh, I was executive in uh, recruiting industry um, for several many years, and then found myself in my 50s, uh, out looking for work opportunities. I found also that they didn't come along as quickly as they had in my earlier years of my life. So I was able, I had to experience some tough times, uh, particularly during the early part of my 50s. And uh, it gave me a real sense of what others might be going through. Uh, I actually had to take an entry-level job at one position uh, and then supplemented my income by uh, taking a position with a grocery store, you know, an entry-level type role. So I've, I've experienced uh, what many people in their 50s, 60s, baby boomer age range are going through in the job market. Uh, many of them are being placed out on, on their own, uh, displaced by their companies for various reasons and they find themselves looking for 
similar work that they've done in their career and in the past, and it just doesn't exist, or the companies just aren't interested in them. Uh, they're hiring younger people, and uh, they're not interested in the uh, the boomer group, group that um, that, ex- that, that exists in our world today. And there, in our country, there uh, are uh, 74.9 million. Yes. Like, let me interrupt you. I see that Jeff's still on. Are you still on, Jeff? Uh, yes. Well, uh, feel free to chime chime in. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm not. Yeah, th- oh. this is Blake. Uh, he hung up. I was ashamed because uh, I wanted him to join the conversation. Um, uh, he was our previous guest. I saw he was still on, and I uh, I wanted him to join the conversation. Because I, I I think you're 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 talking to a very uh, on a very interesting subject, and I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I was That's hoping right. to catch you. But now, no um, please back up a little bit, Blake, because I uh, I talked over you. That's okay. I was just saying that there are 74.9 million baby boomers in the United States, and many of them are employed, gainfully employed, in successful jobs. But many are being sent out from their companies uh, or their jobs are going away for various reasons. In many cases, it may be that they're being displaced due to technology, uh, due to the fact that the company wants to hire some younger people, uh, so they're being sent home. Other times, uh, they're being sent out because of the higher cost of insurance, so having people over 50 on the uh, insurance plan for companies. Uh, it's more costly than it is for y- having younger employees. And various reasons exist that they're being sent out, but nevertheless, it's a fact of life. And they're finding themselves having to look for work at a time when they didn't expect to have to look for work, and it's oftentimes very tough on them. They go through a lot of emotional uh, trauma in the process due to the fact that oftentimes they're having to change their their whole outlook of work um, from what they've been doing in their past, in their career. They may have had a a, a good job in a company, whether it be blue-collar or white-collar, and all of a sudden they have to start looking for something else, and they may not be able to find employment that is uh, as lucrative, that pays as well as what they've had in the past. And so that requires a transition for them. And the whole transition piece is a major part of what people in their over 50 go through in looking for another job. It makes it tough, especially from the income standpoint. Absolutely. Well, I looked at your website, and I was uh, blown away by it. It's the only words I can use. Um, Good. I like hearing that. Thank you. No, no, and uh, uh, that's why I'm so glad you're on the program, because uh, older people, uh, uh, my audience knows I'm 72, and the chances of me ever finding a job outside of doing what I'm doing now are almost nil, but I, I run across a lot of people who uh, who are in the situation you are, you're, you talk about, and the, the trauma of it is ex- extremely difficult. Um, yes. So, so, please continue. So okay. You, you decide. Well, you may. To... Um, one of the things that uh, that you go through, a couple of mo- big motivators for 
people looking for work that are in their 50s, 60s. Um, one reason may be that they just need to have income. They need to be making money. So they need to find a job. And even if it's a $15 an hour job, $10 an hour job, at least it's money that helps pay the bills. Another reason may be that they may have a nest egg built up that they're able to rely on, but they're saving that for their retirement. And they don't want to dip into spending retirement money uh, when they're still young enough and healthy enough to work. So they need something to help offset that. You know, and a, and a job that pays lower may still help pay the bills. I mean, it may pay your power bill or your food bill or whatever. And so they sometimes have to go with those type of jobs. And I don't mean to sound really depressing because there are other jobs you can find and other ways of um, looking for work that may be in your area that may pay much better. I'm just saying that for a lot of people, they're having to make that transition to a lower lower type paying job. Well, One of the things of- that I would suggest for people is if they go to the website, they can find job opportunities on there with over 50 friendly companies that are going to be open to people, uh, baby boomer age range, and they will find, they can also find the jobs on there. They can apply directly on there to the companies. And also, if you know, start, if you know of someone that works for that company, or you have inroads into that company some way, then start approaching the networking that way. So you apply to the job through the website, but also you can use that then as leverage to uh, assist you in networking if you know people that work for that company. Well, well, what types of employers come to your site to look for people over 50? Well, obviously you have the obvious ones, much uh, in, in, say, retail. Uh, you've got uh, customer service-type jobs. Uh, a lot of people over 50 can do very well on the phone. Uh, if it's a customer service type job where they're answering the phone, uh, taking care of uh, customers' needs for a particular product or uh, type of company that uh, has, uh, particularly companies that may sell uh, products to the public, uh, will oftentimes have people on the phone to answer questions in case they get called. And um, people over 50 fit into that type of role. Um, retail can use people over 50 and not necessarily in it can be a customer service type role or a sales type role or it even can be a backroom type role in stocking or or assisting in other ways uh, uh, in in the uh, retail world and there are a lot of different types of retail establishments you have everything from grocery to to uh, hardware to um, to mall or large department stores, uh, to also to smaller stores. So you find an array of types of opportunities uh, in the retail world, and they, they oftentimes like people over 50. I had a lady recently who works with a large retail company uh, department store, and she told me that she liked to hire people over 50 because they give attention to the, to the customers, uh, they are conscientious about the job. They show up on time, and they always uh, are there and approachable and are excellent with the customers, and that was a real key point for them. So it's... Um, 
That's Absolutely. something that they, we've we've learned, I think, over the years how to do that, and it's a skill that we're able to use um, in the, you know in a workspace. Well, I I have to tell you a tale. I called into American Express, and um, one of the questions they ask is your birth date, and I said to the to the uh, uh, man at the other end, "You really know how to hurt a guy." He says, "Well, if you tell me your age." <laughs> I'll tell you my age. So I said, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 72. He says, well, I'm 82, and I, I'm working here because I retired and discovered I didn't like retirement. So now I'm working again. Uh, yes. Do you do you find that you also get people who uh, are in that situation? Yes, quite often. As a matter of fact, I mentioned that I worked, uh, t- taking a job in a grocery store to supplement my income. And I worked with a gentleman who was a, a dentist, a retired dentist. Uh, he didn't have to work, but he wanted to do something. He wanted to get out of the house. And so he went to work with his grocery store uh, in customer service. And it was just something that he wanted to do. And, like, you know, he didn't, like I said, he didn't have to, but he just uh, felt well, like it would be good for him to do that. What made you decide to go ahead and, and create this? I mean, Yes, you you had this, but then all of a sudden you came up with this idea and you just did it? What well, part you... of it's out of my own pain that I went through, and then also I meet people just all the time that are in this situation where they are looking for some work, and they oftentimes our pe- people our age aren't uh, able to, they don't know exactly where to go. They don't mm-hmm. know how to find a job. And they're not used to using job boards. They're not used to using Internet that often, many of them. And so we decided to create this job board. We try to keep it as simple as possible. You'll even notice on there it's a, it has a larger print on the font. Uh, and we, we try to make it easy to use. It's a very simple website. Uh, you go on there, and if you're interested in the job, you just sign up, and then you can apply directly uh, for that position if you find one that you like. It's broken down by, you can go to the jobs and by city, by zip code, um, and the different types of jobs that are on there and go through. We've got about 30, as of today, somewhere in the range of 37,000 jobs uh, on the website of from companies that are over 50 friendly, and it's free, uh, free for the jobs. Uh, if you have a company that's interested in people over 50, uh, you can go in there and post your jobs for free, and it's also free for the uh, for the candidates to sign up for on there as well. Well, how do you make your money? Well, <laughs> we know we we're not making any right now. We have some advertisements on the site, and we will eventually come up with some way of um, of having some type of fee sourcing uh, through it. But but at this point, we don't. Well, have your have your uh a webmaster uh, email me and we'll put a link up on our site for your Okay. Uh right. I I uh, by the way, I really appreciated the big type. Oh, good. Good. You I, noticed I, that, huh? Oh, oh, at my age you notice things like that. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, we really tried to make it um easy to read and uh simple in uh, in in look and feel of the well, the website itself so I feel like we've um are you we've devoting 100% a 
Are you devoting 100% of your time to it? For the most part, yes. Yes, I am. And uh, it is. It's my job, and I'm focused on it and trying to get it out there and sources like you, uh, getting the message out to people. You know, it's not easy always getting things started, and we've been up and running now about four months, and um, just getting the word out that we exist. Uh, so that's what... That's why we wanted to, to be able to come on board with you and talk to you about this, and uh, we appreciate you having us on. Well, no, I appreciate it. I'm, uh, like I say, I'm a lot older than you. I don't know, maybe not as. Uh, I'm fifty-nine. That much. I'm fifty-nine, so I'm, I'm okay. I'm up there. Uh, well, but but your site again for people. Uh, yes, it is over fifty. Job board. Dot com. It's over O V E R five zero jobboard dot com. So that's the, they can go there and uh, sign up or look through jobs. You can also sign up and designate the types of jobs that you're interested in, and you get emailed about them. Um, this is there are a lot of features on there that a, a candidate can use when you when you go on there. Well, let me ask you one more question. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you learned in, in putting this together that you'd pass on to your to other small business leaders? What have I learned uh, in putting this together that yeah. for a small business leader? As well, a small business person, what have you learned? I've learned that uh, there are all types of people that need have needs in this country from a, for jobs, that they're looking for work, that they can't find the right opportunities, and they need help in doing it. That um, they—that's one of the things that have, that's been come forth so obviously to me that uh, as I as I talk to people about this, and most people are really excited about the job board. They think it's a great idea. They think that it'll uh, that people in our country will respond very positively positively toward it, and that is something that will be a success. But just the pain people go through. Here's one thing. When you're 25 and you're looking for a job, you, have, you may have a struggle finding one, but you have the hope that you will find one, and you know you will find one. When you're 55 or 65 and you're looking for a job, it can become a pretty hopeless situation. You begin to wonder, will anybody ever hire me? Can I ever find one? And you're needing income. And you reach a point to where you're just saying, I wish I could find anything. And we're trying to help people with that. We're trying to address that need uh, that's in our nation among our baby boomer generation. Well, you you certainly hit on something. And like I say, uh, have your people talk to my people. And uh, that sounded terrible, but I I know just enough I see to be dangerous. (laughs) Uh, they don't allow me to touch anything. Um, I understand. <laughs> but uh, I, we really want to help you. We really want to put you uh, on our site. And, okay. And so, like, I appreciate it very much. No, we appreciate the job you're doing. Thank you. And again, if people want to reach you directly, can they? Yes, they can reach me on there. And uh, it's, well, it's Blake at over50jobboard.com is my uh, email address, so they can reach me about that way. Well, thank you, Blake, for being with us tonight. Uh, no, thanks, Don. You, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. 
I really look forward to all the help that you're giving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.